Why don't you take your Bibles and let's go to 1 Kings chapter 19. We're going to pick up where we left off dealing with Elijah. We kind of did an introduction to it all. And I'm not going to read uh, verse 1 all the way through verse number 10. I'm just going to read verse 9 and 10 and uh, for sake of time. And then we're going to pick up. And my goal is to look at the first two things. There's four total that, uh, that I want to give concerning why people often fight discouragement and depression. And we're not talking about, again, as I mentioned before, just an upfront um, um, declaration here. Uh, but I, I am in no sense trying to, uh, to give a, an alternative to, to um, sometimes needed medications, needed help, needed assistance in some areas. Um, I'm not trying to say that all depression can be met as a one-size-fits-all solution. It's, it's not a one-size-fits-all. Um, people deal with different levels of, de- of depression. They deal for different reasons. Um, sad to say, some of the medications that we take today actually cause it in, in great depth. Um, when, when they have on the very top, here, here's what gets me. Take our, uh, our, our depression Medication, top symptom, causes great depression. It's like, you're going to, you know, uh, or, or you know, thoughts of suicide. I was like, what? what? <laughs> I'm going I'm to take depression medication so I can possibly have a high risk of thoughts of suicide. Isn't it supposed to help that kind of stuff? <laughs> Not cause it. So um, I, I think it is wise that we, we should be more careful than, than is the tendency today. Um, we often have, well, I'll just put it this way. In America especially, we've gotten to the, to the point where we, we look at medication as the answer to everything. Medicate me, medicate me, medicate me. Um, and, and may I be blunt in, in this, not every bout with discouragement and depression is something that is outside of our realm of ability to deal with. Some people say, well, depression is not something you mess with. You, you need to get help for that. Not every form of depression is a cause where you have to have outside help with medication to fix it, though that's what the world wants us to think. Um, there, there is a, a, a very big financial gain in the medical field when it comes to uh, pharmaceuticals and um, depression being one of the highest things, especially um, when it comes to COVID nineteen and and that time frame of being solitude and alone. Depression skyrocketed amongst all ages. Um, I think they said the uh, one one of the highest shocking ages was children. Depression just absolutely skyrocketed with with children. Um, and may I say. There, not all, but there are a lot of forms of depression that are self-inflicted. There's a lot of forms of great discouragement that people go through that are caused by personal decision or by um, personal lack of, of doing what is needed, not willing to do what needs to be done. So I just, just give me a pill to fix it because I'm not actually willing to do the work to do what must be done on my part. Now, I say all of that with the understanding that I'm not putting it all in one big lump and it's all the same. 
because there are some chemical imbalances with people and they're born with chemical imbalances and you're not just going to fix that by saying, well, bless God, get in the Bible. I mean, that's just not going to really help. You, there are some issues that require some medical attention to help. But that's not what we're dealing with when we're talking about Elijah's issue, which is oftentimes the same kind of struggles that we face in life. Life itself can be discouraging. Can I get an amen on that? <laughs> life itself can, can produce so much that it is easy for, and let's just put it in our realm, the child of God to get depressed. But depression, because of oppression of life, is not a God-sent or God-ordained thing in our life. Depression, because of an oppression in our life, is more self-inflicted more often than not, and, and Satan uh, invested into our life. I believe that the devil, listen, if there's one, one way to get a fired up Christian um, to, to sit on the sidelines when they were once fired up, bring so much overwhelming and, and, and discouraging things and oppress that child of God with so much that they begin to sink into a hole of depression and that fire will literally get choked out. And Satan loves to oppress so as to uh, discourage and cause depression. Now, this is the, what we're talking about. And, and again, we're, we're dealing in, in, in different realms, and so it's not all one big lump. But there are many things when dealing with depression that we ourselves could help avoid or we could actually do some very basic things to, to help combat and be victorious. I remind you, the Bible says, ye are more than conquerors. More than conquerors, yes, I understand, deals with uh, 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 the fighting with the sin nature. But by the way, where do you think depression uh, ultimately comes from? Depression is not something that God designed to be in the world. It's something that came because of a result to sin. And there are many times that depression can be, and we'll see it in a minute, but depression can be, in, at times, a result of something in our life that should not be there. And it's, for the child of God, it's eating you alive. It's tearing me up. It's wearing me out. And I'm trying to live a life of godliness, but I don't want to get rid of something that should not be there. And I wonder why I struggle every day being discouraged. I'm trying to go where God wants me to go while I set the anchor back here and I'm not going to pull it up. And, I, and I just, I'm so tired of just feeling like hitting a brick wall, hitting a brick wall. And there are many times that my and your discouragement that can lead to a, that, that black hole of just, it's just not worth it. I don't want to face another day. There are many times where that comes as a result of a personal spiritual struggle that we're losing the battle to. When the Bible says you are more than conquerors through him. There are times, much like Elijah, that we allow 
our circumstances to overwhelm us and we allow what we are going through to convince us this is not fair and we fall into a a pit of despair, not because we had to, but because we choose to in order to have a pity party. Now, I'm not pointing fingers because, trust me, for every finger, when you point one finger, there's at least three pointing back. So I understand we all can fight this. If a, a man like Elijah can fight depression and great discouragement, you better believe that we will fall prey if we're not careful. Verse number 9 and verse number 10 of, of 1 Kings 19. The Bible says this, And he came thither into a cave, uh, unto a cave and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said unto him, What doest thou here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of, of hosts. For the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left. And they seek my life to take it away. Elijah has reached a low point we mentioned already. Elijah has, has gone into a, a fit of depression not because of chemical imbalance, not because of this, that, or whatever. No, he's gone into depression because he's allowed Satan to get the better of him by threatening his life with a wicked queen, all because he stood for God, God gave great victory. And by the way, the one time Satan's going to attack any child of God, it's going to be after great victory in your life. The moment you hit the, you hit the mountaintop, you've, you've been climbing, climbing, climbing. Boy, you've been uh, going past all the heavy rocks, trying to get yourself up there. You've been pulling yourself, pulling yourself up, pulling yourself up, getting past everything. You finally hit the mountaintop, and it's beautiful, fresh air, mountaintop experience. And about that time, Satan kicks the rock out from underneath you, and you go tumbling down, just like Jack and Jill. But the, the, one of, the, one of the, the biggest points, by the way, what, what, there, there are two main time frames that I believe Satan will come to the child of God faster than any, any other time. The first is when you're on the mountaintop because he wants to knock you off of it. And by the way, when you're up there, you're not paying attention to the dangers around you. You're just enjoying the top of the mountain. You're enjoying the peace and just, I tell you what, that's been a long fight. If there's one place we let our guard down, it's when things just kind of settle for a moment. And he loves to come in that moment and just knock us flat off our feet. But the other time he likes to come is when you've hit the bottom. And when you're already down and you're discouraged, that's when he likes to come and says, by the way, I've got a deeper hole. Why don't you come over here? Bow! And he likes to kick you right on into it. You're already down, you're already discouraged, you're already struggling, and he just loves to absolutely waylay us when we're already weak. On the mountaintop, we're not paying attention. At the bottom of the mountain, when we're struggling, we're weak. He loves to hit both times. That's why Satan's a coward. He is. Now, don't get me wrong. Don't think that you and I can stand before him and, and try to, to, to beat him because, oh, he's a coward. I'll just, I'll show him what's what. <laughs> no, you won't. Um, but I just remind you, uh, there's only one being more powerful than Satan, and that is God himself. Amen. Outside of God, there's no one more powerful. 
There's a reason why Satan thought he could ascend to the throne of the Most High and take over. Because he was second in power. He was second in glory, in grandeur, the way, the way God created him. I mean, he, he was next to God, honestly, God himself. Satan was, if you were going to think about somebody taking over the throne, he would be the person in line to take over in that moment. He is, next to God, the most powerful individual you will ever encounter. There's only one that can beat him, and that is God himself, which is why Every now and then, it's a good idea that we just go ahead and call on Big Brother to come take care of him. Christ is the only one that, that we can, through Christ, see victory against Satan. But understand, he's going to come and he's going to attack. He is bigger than we are, but he always will come when you're either not looking or he's going to attack when you're already struggling. I could give many more instances in the Bible where you see pictures of how Satan operates, but I'm not going to tonight. I want us to understand that as we fight discouragement and depression, though they are real things, there are times when we can see how a person gets there. We can see how we got there if we look back when we've come out of that time frame. Let me, let me give you this very quick. We're just going to go move right through it. Uh, just two, the first two things, very, very quickly. Why do people often fight discouragement and depression? The first one is this. They don't experience their expectations. People start off, dis- when they get discouraged, they get there. Why? Because many times we have expectations up here, and what reality is is a little short of our expectation. God, I was praying for this, and Lord, you didn't quite do that. And then Satan's like, yeah, he doesn't really care, does he? Well, he, he said if you ask in, in, in his name, if you ask anything in, in, in the name of Jesus, that, that he, his father would give it to you. And he didn't do it, did he? Mm. tell you what I, I, I don't know that I could trust a God like that what about you you ever had those conversations I hope not <laughs> uh, if you ever had those conversations how about this you saw God move in somebody else's life in a miraculous way and yet he didn't quite move that way in what you were praying for and Satan loves to say I wonder if he likes them better than he likes you I bet you, I bet you he's more pleased with their life than yours. You're just not quite going to measure up. Might as well go ahead and give up now because you're never going to make it. I mean, that's, that's what Satan does. He plays mind games. And he always comes in those times, by the way, when our expectations are not met by reality. And when we don't experience those expectations, it hurts. Elijah had this. The Bible says that from, from Mount Carmel, when all that took place, that um, um, you, you have um, Ahab who leaves in his chariot. The Bible says that, that Elijah ran and actually beat him. And so Elijah runs all the way back to Jezreel. 
And there's a reason why. If, he, if Elijah runs and he gets himself all the way back to Jezreel where Ahab is going, you have to imagine that Elijah is expecting that Ahab is going to repent, fall apart, and get right. I mean, he just lost a big battle. God just proved who he was. And now judgment is coming. And, and Ahab is, is, is at a loss as to what to do. And I imagine it had to have been just a, a expected that Elijah was going back to see Ahab break down and get right. When he got back, he found out that Jezebel, however, while Elijah was expecting a breakdown, Jezebel was thinking more of a smackdown. You come my way, boy, I'm going to take care of you. You think you can do that to our family? You think you can do that to us, make us look like fools? I'm going to make you as one of the prophets that, of Baal that, uh, that you help to destroy. And so Jezebel is looking to make Elijah pay. Elijah is coming looking more than likely for a repentance from Ahab. But Elijah doesn't get what he's looking for. Elijah began to start down the road when he got the, the message. In verse number two, says that Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah saying, so let the gods do to me and more also if I make not thy life as a life of one of them by the tomorrow about this time. When he gets there and he gets this message, Elijah decides to tuck tail and run in defeat. A great victory for God, and now he can't stand before a few people. So Elijah starts down that road of discouragement when he did not see his expectation, expectations that he had become reality. It did not take long as he began to go down that road that he found himself fighting a deep, controlling depression in his life. Peter and the disciples had much the same struggle as they fought to understand why Jesus did not come to set up his kingdom right then. They, they, they knew that's why they were following him. He's going to set up the kingdom. He's going to complete the promise. All these things going to happen. And, uh, and they, they hit a massive wall of discouragement when it was not going to happen the way they expected they became discouraged even after, now watch, even after seeing the resurrected Savior, they were still discouraged. Um, I, by the way, John 21, verse 2 and 3. After Christ had revealed himself, get this, after he had revealed he was risen. Most of the time we forget timelines. This is not before they realize he's risen. This is, and, and, and oftentimes I've even heard it preached that Christ was crucified, uh, Peter denied him, he was discouraged, he went away, uh, greatly sorrowful and all that kind of stuff, and shortly thereafter, somewhere between the resurrection and all, Peter said, I go a fishing. Uh, no. It wasn't until after Christ rose, and he appeared to them, after all of that, and they know Jesus is alive and well. John 21, 2 and 3 comes to pass. There were, to, uh, there were together Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee and the sons of Zebedee 
and two other of his disciples. Simon Peter saith unto them. So here's a whole group of them that we used to follow and hear the teachings. And they've all seen and know that Christ is risen. He's no longer dead. He's a risen Savior. You would think at that point, they're fired up. But they've seen the risen Savior. But the thing is, he hasn't done and he's not going to do what they wanted him to do in the first place. He's risen, but he's still not going to set up his kingdom. He's risen, but he's still not going to be king of kings, lord of lords, right here and wipe out all this trouble around and they're, they're going to rule and reign with him. No, no, that's not the point right now. He's risen. He's about to ascend to his father. And they gather, all gathered together. They're together one day. And verse number, number three comes in. And the Bible says that Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a fishing. And they say unto him, we also go with thee. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately. And that night they caught nothing. He said, well, it's no big deal. I mean, everybody should have a, be able to have a break every now and then. That's not what they were doing. Peter was saying, you know what? I'm kind of tired of this. It hadn't happened the way we thought. You know, he was crucified. Yeah, okay, he's alive. You know, that, that, that alone should have been enough, but evidently it wasn't. Because even after seeing the risen Savior, Peter says, you know what, I'm, I'm going to go back to what we used to do. How about you fellas? I'm, I'm, I'm going to go, you know, I kind of miss fishing. I'm going to go, I'm going to go back to that, that fishing industry again. I, I think that's a good, good thing to do. I can go make some money over there. And he grabs a whole crowd of them. They all go together. Now, I remember for years thinking as, as, as a kid, getting my timelines mixed up, thinking that when Peter was fishing with the disciples and the, the Lord calls to them, when Peter realizes who it is, as my dad used to say, <laughs> Peter naked on the, on the boat says, ah, girds himself up and jumps in the water. But when Peter sees him, goes, and then you have that discourse between the two of them concerning lovest thou me more than these? What was the these? He wasn't talking about the men. He's talking about the fish. He said, hey, Peter, do you love me more than fishing? It's a good question to ask a lot of people even today. <laughs> Do you love me more than fishing? Do you love me more than hunting? Do you love me more than ball? Meddling, okay. But he looked at Peter and said, do you love me more than these? Peter says, oh, yes, Lord, you know I love you. Now, he go into the whole thing of uh, a phileo love, which is a friendly fondness, or agape love, which is a deep, abiding, die-for-you love. Um, that was the discourse back and forth. And by the way, if you do the research, you'll find out the third time Christ came down to Peter's level of phileo, basically saying, are you even really my friend? Why would he be so grieved? Well, number one, it was three times. Peter had a lot of threes happen to him. But it was three times he asked, and I don't think it was just three times he asked. I think if you actually be there and you knew the language and you were listening to him and you realized that he asked the same question twice with a deep abiding love, but the third time he said, do you even love me the way you say you love me? You keep saying a fondness, a friendness, a phileo, but do you even love me that way? I mean, who wouldn't be grieved 
with that kind of question. So Peter, but I, I used to always think, well, that was the first time that Peter appeared, uh, that, that Jesus appeared to the apostles after the resurrection. And eh, wrong answer. He had already appeared to them before that time ever took place. They already knew he was alive. But instead of committing and following him, they went back to fishing. Why? Because they were discouraged. Because what they thought was going to happen, setting up his kingdom, ruling and reigning, taking over. He was supposed to be the Messiah, the ruler of God's people, and he didn't take the throne. He let them crucify him. He rose again just to leave and ascend to his father. They're like, what kind of a deal is this? We thought we were on the winning side here. He's going to leave us here with all this mess. They were discouraged. Why? Because things did not go in reality as they had figured them to go in their expectations. I, 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 if, gracious. I'm, I skipped a lot of stuff here. I, I'm, I'm going to leave that alone. I, I will encourage you to do this. Go, go to John 16, not right now, but go to John 16, 25 through 33. You'll find that we, we find out that we, we will always have discouragements to face in life. How we choose to handle them will hold great power over our personal discouragements and depression we face. Christ gave this, a charge to his followers just prior to facing the agony of the cross in John 16, uh, verse 25 through verse number 33. Especially later on, um, he talks about... Um, uh, how he, um, mm, my brain is not helping me at all. I got to go there. I'll just hold on. Can't leave it alone. John 16, verse number 32 says, Behold, the hour cometh, yea, is now come, that ye shall be scattered, every man to his own, and shall leave me alone. And yet I am not alone, because the Father is with me. These things have I spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. That was a promise that if you, if you stick with Christ, he is the overcomer of the world. And ye can overcome as you overcome through him. He gives peace. He gives the ability to overcome they're about to face some major discouragement. He said, don't worry. I'm going to be left alone, except for I won't be alone. I'm, the Father's going to be with me. But I, I, I teach you these things. I'm saying these things to give you peace because you're going to have tribulation in the world. You're going to have discouragements in the world. You're going to have hard times in the world. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So where is our hope of overcoming? It's not in our own abilities to face the discouragements or the tribulation. It's, it's in our ability to place our hope in him because he is the overcomer that helps us overcome those daily struggles. Last thing, I got to stop right here, um, but, but very quickly. Here's something you find that happens, and it's, it's a destructive thing when, when people get discouraged. Not only do... They get discouraged. A lot of times people get discouraged because their expectations are, don't actually get met. But when people get discouraged, they may oftentimes make a big, bad decision. 
And that is they begin to distance themselves from others. And I, I know the feeling. I know, I know what it's like to want to just be left alone. The last thing a person needs, though, when they are facing trouble or grief is to face it alone, especially doing it on purpose, like Elijah. He chose to do it on purpose. There in, in verse number 3 uh, of chapter 19, it says, And when he saw that, he arose and went for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah, and left his servant there. He had company up to that point, but he left his servant there, and he goes on alone. He separates himself. And we've all heard that, that, that statement uh, and the expression, misery loves company. Yet in reality, the simple truth is depression likes solitude. It's hard to get or stay depressed when you are around those who care for you and can encourage you daily. Now, if you're like me, when you're, when you're facing discouragement, you're really, the last thing this flesh wants to hear is somebody try to encourage you. Right? I ain't calling so-and-so. I know exactly what they're going to do. They're going to talk all goody-goody and life's wonderful. And oh, isn't it the, let's, let's talk about the blessings of God. I don't want to talk about the blessings of God. Right? I don't want to remember that stuff. I'm having my pity party. I want to be left alone. Right? But when we get to that point, that, that, that's Elijah. He's pity partying. And here's the thing. Why did he leave his servant and go on alone? He didn't want nobody around. He wants to be by himself. But what's the one thing he actually said? And I, even I, only am left. Hello! It's because you left the one person who could have helped you behind. Right? I don't know why everybody's forsaken me. He didn't. You said stay. Think about it. Do we not? I mean, you see how silly it is, but anybody ever been there? You're like, just leave me alone. And then later on, you go in your room and, and the devil gets on your back and he's like, boy, nobody cares about you. Look, nobody's calling you. Nobody's talking to you. Nobody even comes to your door. I mean, forget the fact you put on, on Facebook, nobody come to my house, period. I mean, don't ask. It's been a rough day. Just don't ask. I mean, and, then when people don't ask, you're like, why isn't anybody asking about how I'm doing? I mean, <laughs> that is how we get, we are so pathetic. But that is the nature of depression and discouragement. If we're not careful, we cause a worse scenario because we remove ourselves from everyone and everything that can help. And I'm just going to deal with this by myself. You ain't dealing with nothing. It's going to deal with you. That's what's going to happen. You see somebody gets out of church, doesn't come for weeks and weeks, and you call and you're like, what, what is going on? It's just been rough. I've just been having a hard time. I just, I just can't be around people. I'm like, hold on a second. Time out. You ran away from the one place that's going to get you out of the molly grubs. You have literally shut off everything you actually need and you wonder why I just can't get out of this pit and this hole of my life. It's because you're in the hole by yourself. You haven't got a single rope or nothing to throw up and try to get out of it and you've told everybody, do not come around. 
There are some places we don't get out of by ourselves. You've got to have help. By the way, the only thing we take to the hole with us oftentimes is a shovel. And all we do is we think we're going to dig our way out of it. We just dig so deep we can't even see the light. We're so deep in that dark hole of discouragement. And when you call out, all you hear is yourself echoing back. It's really lonely down here. Most of the time, may I say, most of the time, we didn't have to be that deep. But we chose to close off everything and everyone that we actually needed instead of allowing others to help. When we distance ourselves, we actually produce, we go from discouragement to depression because we've removed all help. And then we say, I just, I feel so alone. Well, when we isolate ourselves, what else are we going to feel? That's just brutal honesty. And I'm saying it in, in the sense that, I, listen, I'm telling you, I've been there. I've done that. Don't want to be around nobody. Don't want to talk to nobody. Tell my wife, just leave me alone. Go off and do my, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go. Some guys go to the woods, right? Go be by themselves. I used to have a wood shop. I'd go out there, lock the door, close it off, and I'd just meet me and the wood. Nothing good came out of it. I mean, it was tore up a whole bunch of pieces of wood. I mean, it didn't make anything beautiful at all. But uh, me and the wood by ourselves, I want nobody around. Listen, may I tell you, I did not leave the woodshed. Not that kind of woodshed, the other one. I did not leave the woodworking shop in a better state than when I went in, when I went in by myself. I typically left the woodworking shop only because I had to go back to life, but I went back even more upset and more discouraged because there was nothing there by myself other than a whole bunch of space for Satan to start whispering and encouraging the wrong thoughts. Now, I, phew, man, trying to finish this up. It is hard to get or stay depressed, like I said, when you have those around you that care. Depressed people have a tendency to push others away in order to bask in the gloom of their depression and self-pity. And that's the very thing they, they, they hate about their life. It's the very thing that they've brought on to themselves many times. Elijah left the one person who was the proof that his depression was unfounded. He was not the only one left. If he had had that one person, he couldn't have claimed that at all. Now, it still didn't make any sense, but that one person would have been the very proof you're not alone. He left behind what he really needed. I'm going to stop right there with, with, with all of this. We'll look at, at two more things, uh, Lord willing, next week. I'm not even going to give them to you. I was going to give you a little teaser. I'm not going to do it, all right? I'm not going to blow that one. But how many times, honestly, how many times do we fight unnecessary discouragement that leads to unnecessary depression because we either turn to the wrong sources or we turn within and close out everything. And then we say, God, I'm all alone. Nobody cares. No, people do care, but I'm, I don't hear anything. I don't know. Nobody wants to talk to me. I don't hear a word from anybody. Well, of course you don't. We stop our ears, we close our eyes, we walk away, and we wonder, why am I all alone? 
There are people who care. By the way, when you get discouraged, don't leave church and think you're going to come out of it. When you're discouraged, don't get away from God's people and think you're going to get encouragement. You know, when you're fighting hard things in life, don't run away from the very sources that God has placed in our life to help us keep from digging a hole of depression. Because there's a lot of depressions that we face that are self-inflicted. They didn't start that way. They got that way because we turned to the wrong sources and the wrong answers. And then Satan says, ooh, playground. And he, he wreaks havoc in our minds. And as it gets deeper and it gets deeper, it gets darker and it's darker. And the deeper the depression, the greater the work it's going to take to, to be delivered out of that. Better off that we just face discouragement for what it is and go ahead and use the, the tools given to us by God to help not allow discouragement turning into depression. But we'll, we'll, we'll look at a couple other things next week. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for...